This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England supporters podcast. Now I hope you've enjoyed the recent episodes that I've put out there, be it the Player of the Year one, there was the Lionesses review, or the second part of my chat with England fan Brian Wright. Those and all the other episodes are available at threelionspodcast.com or your chosen podcast provider. This episode, we are back on the World Cup qualification hunt. If all goes to plan and our way, we could be looking at booking tickets to Qatar in the not-too-distant future. On Thursday the 30th of September, Gareth Southgate announced his latest squad. We will check that out soon, as Andorra and Hungary are on the horizon as our opponents. Of course, both fairly familiar to us, as we only played them at the beginning of September. Back-to-back 4-0 victories. Of course, there was the win in Budapest that was marred by the racist taunting that Hungary have since paid for with a stadium ban. And then, of course, there was the Wembley win over Andorra, where Jesse Lingard put us ahead early. And then it was a Harry Kane penalty. Lingard got another one, and Bukayo Saka scored late to great applause. There was also the sad news that following the passing of Jimmy Greaves... His 1966 World Cup teammate, Roger Hunt, has passed away. He passed on Tuesday the 28th of September and we'll pay tribute to him also in this episode. Now, Andorra away is the first time England fans have been officially admitted to a stadium as away fans. The first time since Kosovo in 2019. What a trip that was. Uh, The England Travel Club announced that 5,597 Travel Club members applied to go to this game. To put that into context, the ground in Andorra, the new one, only holds 3,306. So it was clear that you were going to need a fair few loyalty caps behind you to uh, be able to get in for this one. The Travel Club, they've done a great job in securing 993 tickets for what will be the sixth occasion we've played Andorra. Now, it got me thinking, there will be a small, not quite sure how small, but there will be a small select group of fans who will be able to say that they've been to all six of those fixtures since our first meeting in 2006, which was at Old Trafford. So there was there was one at Old Trafford, there was two at Wembley, there was two at Espanyol's ground in Barcelona, and now this most latest one, the sixth one, uh, will be in Andorra. Who's been to all six? From a personal point of view, I just missed the cut. If I'd have been to Bulgaria away, I think, uh, which was the last match I missed, I would have been fine. Shame. It is what it is. Uh, now, although I do know a lot of people will travel regardless, but from my own perspective, it would frustrate the hell out of me being there, but not being able to be inside the ground. And hey, each to their own. Now, obviously, the team will be there. And as I say, on the last day of September, Gareth Southgate announced his squad 
for both Andorra and Hungary. So let's have a look at his 23 picks. That's right. We are back down to 23 players now. So let's start with the goalkeepers. Three of them. Sam Johnston, Jordan Pickford, Aaron Ramsdale. Defenders, Connor Cody, Rhys James, Tyrone Mings, Luke Shaw, John Stones. Fikayo Tamora is back after two years. His last place in an England squad uh, was back in that Kosovo game two years ago. Kieran Trippier and Carl Walker. In the midfield, Phil Foden is back, Jordan Henderson, Jesse Lingard, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice. And up front, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Bakaya Saka, Jane Sancho, Raheem Sterling and Ollie Watkins returns. Uh, a squad with an average age of 25 and a half years, 595 caps between them, 85 goals. Uh, of course, 41 of those belong to Harry Kane. Uh, some other little facts and figures. The oldest player, Carl Walker, and the youngest one is Bukayo Saka. Uh, most experienced, well, you can look at this one of two ways. Raheem Sterling has 70 caps. Uh, Jordan Henderson has 66, but he made his debut uh, back in 2010 uh, against France, 17th of November 2010, when we lost 2-1 there. On the teams represented in this squad, Manchester City, they got five. Manchester United have got three. Chelsea, Villa and Arsenal have got two players each. Uh, and then West Brom, West Ham, Leeds, Spurs, Everton, Wolves, Liverpool. Uh, and then the two overseas teams, AC Milan and Atletico Madrid. Uh, they've all got one player each. Uh, just looking back, maybe over some of the over the last squad. Of course, Patrick Bamford was in that one. Gareth has chosen not to select him this time around. Harry Maguire is out with a calf injury. Trent Alexander-Arnold is out with a groin injury. Nick Pope has been replaced by Aaron Ramsdale, of course, uh, who has recently signed for Arsenal and has been doing well there. No Jude Bellingham, no Mason Greenwood. When quizzed about this, Gareth Southgate said that. Obviously, he knows their capabilities, but understood that they've got a lot of games coming their way and they are obviously still very young. They've been in communication with their clubs, their families, um, obviously about just how many games they're generally playing. And, and the same went for Emil Smith-Rowe, uh, again, a, a young player who's doing particularly well for Arsenal at the moment. But he didn't discount them. And at the end of the day... It's a squad of only 23 players. There's only so many players that you can fit in uh, this squad. There's only 11 players that can start the game. Um, so they'll, they'll come for the future, guaranteed. Um, but it's good to see Fakaya Tamore back. Um, I guess with Harry Maguire out, he will stand a good chance of of playing in one of these two games, but also in Italy. Don't forget, we've got Tammy Abraham at Roma, and also alongside him... Chris Smalling, remember him? But yes, these are, of course, the players selected for the games against Andorra on Saturday, the 9th of October, and then England against Hungary at Wembley on Tuesday, the 12th. Now, the squad is obviously picked before the weekend's Premier League fixtures of the 2nd and 3rd of October, or match day 7, as they now like to call it. Just another one of those new terminologies that have crept in that annoy me. But that's just a personal thing. 
Uh, we'll see how many players may pick up an injury here or there and where I may just have to edit a few names in. And here it is, as predicted. This is the edited bit. We got through the weekend fairly unscathed, but I mentioned Tammy Abraham on Monday the 4th. He was called in, as was Ben Chilwell, who replaces Rhys James, who supposedly was injured. And it caused a bit of an issue with Thomas Tuchel, the, the Chelsea manager, who was quoted as saying the call-up was a misunderstanding. He said, when I saw it, I thought that maybe Reese goes with the water polo team for England, because right now he trains in the pool, he joked. So I was a bit surprised, but I understood that he was selected for the football team. This will not happen because Reese is training in the pool right now. So my understanding... My last information is that he will not go. So that can only be a misunderstanding. Nothing else, says the Chelsea manager. So Tammy Abraham and Ben Chilwell came in. Rhys James went out. And then Tuesday the 5th, Leeds United's Calvin Phillips withdrew injured and he was replaced by Southampton's James Ward-Prowse. So Abraham, Chilwell and Ward-Prowse in. Rhys James, Calvin Phillips are out. Right, time to have a chat with a few people who know more about Andorra and Hungary than I do. Now, let's uh, let's chat with Ivan More. Uh, he is the press manager for the Andorran national team. And I'm glad to say he joins us now on the Three Lions podcast. Hello, Ivan. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for joining me. I I know you're a busy man at the moment. (laughs) Yes, the last days uh, we received a lot of requests uh, from England. Of course, uh, uh, that uh, match is uh, so big for us. Uh, uh, England is, of course, one of the best uh, teams in Europe. So, so. The the work here for that match is wow, is incredible. These days, the last days, I, I receive a lot of requests of press and and also for fans that want to come here to see the match, and it's incredible. Well, I mean, first of all, um, as mm-hmm. press manager, what what does your job entail? What do you do for it? <laughs> okay, I. I I, I don't do a job. I do a lot of jobs. Uh, one of them is to organize the press tribune, for example. And imagine I, in every match for the national team, I, I receive maybe 10 uh, journalists and maybe five or six uh, photographers. Okay. Be careful because for that match, <laughs> I receive 30 requests from England. Right maybe 10 from Andorra, as usually, and I receive another 20, 25 uh, requests from other countries of Europe. The dimension of that, that match is not usual for, uh, for, for us as a hosting team, you know. Mm. We, are not, uh, we don't usually work in, with that volume. Right. But uh, I, I, I have to prepare another things like... Um, for example, okay, the schedule for press, uh, the match day uh, before to the press conference, the time is that one, the, the official training is the other one. I need to inform every 
journalists wants about me, for example, interviews, for example, requests about the, what the protocol of COVID. You know, I have to, to give them all the info they need for covering that much. Right. Okay, we have uh, a lot of uh, meetings with, uh, with UEFA, with the, the boss of every match of, of the hosting team or the organization is the VOVM. He's, he's from UEFA and he coordinates all the areas. Uh, so we have a lot of uh, meetings. Uh, every day we have meetings with him about uh, how it's going on, uh, all about the uh, media. Have to be in contact uh, in all the moments because in matches uh, with the importance of England, uh, it's a lot of people and, and it's not uh, so easy to do all perfect, you know. We, we need uh, contact and communication in every second. Yeah. Well, let's, let's move on to onto the, the football on, on the field. Obviously, the two teams met at the beginning of September. England mm-hmm. won 4-0. What was the feeling in Andorra and from the players, the manager? What was the, the feeling mm-hmm. after that? Because I thought Andorra held out quite well until the last 20 minutes mm-hmm. of the game. The feeling in England, uh, we have two feelings, of course, because um, uh, you know Andorra is is one of the worst uh, teams in Europe. We accept it, but we want to fight with with our weapons, and we don't want to lose. We usually lose, and we know it, but we we are not happy losing. You know, we mm. always are angry because we lose, but. Uh, we have another point that we have to look because it's obvious that we lose a match against every team we play in Europe. So uh, it's nice for us to feel that uh, we we show a great match in a match. Against England, it's more important for us to, to compete, to fight against them, not to lose uh, with mm, three zero in the minute 15 because you can't compete obviously with with that uh, score and to be alive uh, more than one hour in England for us was incredible of course yeah we don't like to lose but uh, you have to understand that we don't like to to lose but of course we have a lot of merit uh, with uh, with one zero during more than one hour against England, you know, and uh, after uh, we go to play against Hungary, is the last travel after playing in Andorra, uh, three days after play in England and three days after play in Hungary, uh, you have to think that the Andorran players are not professional. So they yeah. are, they don't usually fly and go to that point to play a match and get a plane again. No, they work here, they play here, and they are amateurs. So they are not, uh, they don't usually do it. So they arrive very tired to Hungary. Yeah. And uh, one thing that I feel in that match that I never feel with that, with our team, with our national team, was uh, in the minute 88, Andorra was throwing in uh, fast and quickly and looking to uh, score a goal that gives us the 2-2. Yeah. And usually we we lose uh, 2-0 against 
Hungary in the minute 88. We were losing 2-1 and the team was not tired. Obviously, it was tired, but, but they fight and they get, get strong and they throw in quickly and they go to the goal. That attitude, I, I, I couldn't see it never before. Wow. So I think the mentality of this, of this team is changing. Now they believe that they can. And that's the difference that I think that we are assimilating for us. I see. You said that you, you lose every game. That's, that's not necessarily true because you had a great result yes. against San Marino, didn't you? Yeah, San Marino, we, we play a, an excellent win and, and it was no easy because uh, we, it was the first time that the other team is not the favourite for the win, you know? Yeah. In that case, it was the first time in our history that Andorra, the other team, was not the favourite. You know, and it was because Andorra arrived to the to the draw uh, in the Bombo five and not the six. And thanks to victories like Hungary in 2097 and, and some results that uh, led us to go to the Bombo five in the draw. And it permits us to uh, uh, to get San Marino as a rival. San Marino was always in the same bombo of Andorra. Obviously, was the last one. And there were Andorra, uh, there were San Marino. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, okay, the teams that uh, everybody knows. Yeah. And Andorra put, before that draw, to go to the bombo five and not six. And it permits us to play against a, a team with a similar level than us. You know, and it was no easy to to get a win. And you have to think that uh, Andorra always plays defensively, always uh, let the other team get the ball. And in that match, it was all different. So Andorra needs to have the ball and needs to 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 attack and things that uh, never did it. Yeah, and yeah, and to get a win, obviously, was the. Well, was logical but uh, you have to win yes <laughs> and it's no easy to win you know <laughs> done yeah. well well yeah. done yeah now i, I think uh, the, the last week or that three matches uh, during the first week of september uh, were very important for us to believe that we can of course and we know <laughs> we uh, england is the uh, is coming here with with the, the stars, with the stars of the Premier. Wow! <laughs> but 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 uh, we believe, of course. Good. If we don't believe, we have a great problem. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We play football. We play football because we want to win. Yeah. Well, you say that the the England players are coming. Uh, of course, they are. Uh, but there's going to be. Obviously, a lot of England fans travelling to Andorra to see the game. Uh, and this is the first time that England fans will have been to the Estadio Nacional. What is the stadium like? Well, give us a, a little insight for England fans coming. What I think is that we need a lot of throats in Andorra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for Say, let's go to our team because you will be a lot of them. Encouraging England, so <laughs> we need a lot of throats <laughs> because you have 
and excellent fans, fans that love football, fans that uh, likes football, and everybody now in football needs to feel it, need to go to the stadium and need to watch a match. Wow. What do you think? But uh, don't you get excited now if you go to see a match? Absolutely, yes. With, yes. with, with public, you know. Now wow, we can I, all go. I, I, I'm working for football in Andorra. I were traveling during two years, practically two years, going with our national team to play in Lithuania and to play in other uh, countries. And every stadium was empty. Yeah. And now <laughs> we can go again to, to watch a match and people uh, get excited with, with that. It's, yeah. yeah, people uh, need to go to a stadium to feel the football, you know, and, yeah. and it's fantastic. Uh, we, know, we know the England fans uh, come here to Andorra and they, <laughs> and they are so excited and they want to say, let's go England and, and to encourage your team. But it's nice, it's football. Yeah. <laughs> Especially oh. have uh, prepared for England fans, we have prepared more... Near, near than 1,000 of entrants. That's and, right. And, and, and Estadio Nacional, uh, the attendance is uh, uh, of uh, 3,330 of the spectators. So yeah. Yeah. maybe one part of three will be of England supporters. <laughs> it's well, because I say you, we need a lot of throats. Yes, in yes. <laughs> I mean, it's a a small stadium and there are a lot of England fans coming who who do not have tickets. Is there there anywhere around the stadium that's not in the stadium that England fans can stand to to see part of the pitch? Do do supporters do that? Okay, in that case, usually the press officers of of each uh, national team get, get in touch and speak about things like that. Obviously, UEFA have a lot of meetings with the police of Andorra and other uh, people that uh, participate in the organization of a match here in Andorra. I, I, I really don't know about it, but we don't have uh, any kind of fan zone here in Andorra ready for the, the English fans. If uh, the other press officer, if the press officer of the national team of England says us that uh, X fans come here to Andorra and maybe it's a good idea to to build a fan zone, we can study it, but we don't receive that mm. notice. So but- we don't know about it. Uh, we suppose they will finish with all the beer in Andorra. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we know that uh, it will be a lot of English people here in Andorra that is a little country and obviously it's, it's a safe country. The policy is ready. If a lot of people of England is here, I think yeah. you are uh, you love football, you are fans and you uh, encourage, but we don't, we don't worry about it. Yeah, place, but you know? Rather than a fan zone, because looking at the pictures of the stadium... One end is sort of open, is it? Can can supporters without tickets see the game? Okay. Uh, the stadium is near two buildings. 
Yeah. And people lives there. Okay. <laughs> uh, and in front of the stadium, in a goal, there is the Andorran television. So if you go to Andorran television, you can watch the match from there or right. from one of the buildings that are near the stadium. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's just. But, but if you don't go to the stadium, obviously you can't. Uh, you can't uh, watch the match. Uh, we, we don't have uh, a TV in a play in a squad or something like mm. that. Or a far zone for people from Andorra. Not because all the football lovers in Andorra goes to the stadium to watch that match. We I don't see. need. Uh, yeah, we don't. Uh, the pubs are not uh, full of people watching. How much is different than mm. England? You know, when England plays, everybody uh, gets the TV on and, and looks the match because you can w- watch it in TV. In case of Andorra, it's not the same. The feeling is not the same. We don't have traditional uh, habits that, for example, going to a pub to watch a match of the national team is mm. not. Uh, it's not use. It's not useful here. Yeah, the, one so other we thing don't feel the, we don't feel the football, or, or the society don't doesn't feel the football. Uh, obviously, than than English people. That English people is the reference in the world. You, I think you have the best fans in the, or, or maybe not fans. They are football lovers. Yes, they understand about football. Not everybody knows about football. People loves football there. In England, football is a religion, uh, yeah. and I feel it. I, I feel that that uh, England is the the center of the world. It's nice to hear. One one more yeah. question. Yeah. One more question on on tickets. Um, mm-hmm. You say that England fans have been given nearly one thousand tickets. Obviously, mm-hmm. there will be tickets on sale for home. Andorra supporters in the home yeah. end. If yes. England fans try to purchase tickets in the Andorra stand in the Andorra end, mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. that be a problem? Will they? Will that be possible? Yes, they, yes. they, they, they can't. They, they can't get it. Okay. Uh, we have tickets uh, for sale. But uh, you need to to show your passport or uh, a national identity document, mm. and you have to demonstrate that you are you you live in Andorra, you are a resident in Andorra, or you are Andorran, or you are resident here. If you don't have the document, we don't give you the the ticket. So yeah. if you if you are an English fan and you live in Andorra, it's perfect for you because you can find a, a ticket here. Uh, selling it in Andorra, but if you doesn't live here, you can't. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. Uh, well, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You you mentioned beer. Obviously, England fans do like a beer um, before a before the game. Yeah. What's Andorra like in um, for for going for a beer? What sort of beers do you recommend? What sort of maybe food or, or sights and things to see before the game? Mm-hmm. Really, I don't know what to recommend you because Andorra <laughs> is, like? a, is yeah, Andorra is a little country and the capital, Andorra la Bella, and, and another uh, another city or village we say here because right. the, it's a city but it's very little, so 
uh, you can say a village. Uh, the nearest village uh, from the capital is Escaldes, and they are. It's a union, you know. When you walk uh, in Andorra, you go from from Andorra La Bella to Escaldes in the same street, you know. So it's little Andorra. So you can go to to every place you want. Uh, there's a lot of pubs here. Uh, places to with fast food, uh, Andorran food, Italian food, and you have all the variety you want. Yeah. And there is a path called Candem that uh, you can feel some you can feel some smell <laughs> to an English path. Oh, know? okay. So it's a good idea if you want to go, but. Uh, you can go to to a lot of pubs here. You, you can drink a beer where you, when you want because you are you are always near from the stadium. You nice want. and compact. Yes. No problem. Yes, a lot of yeah. You think uh, you have to think uh, we are a country of tourists, so we have a lot of uh, food and everything you need. You can find it <laughs> in Andorra. I see. It's uh, obviously more. Che- it's cheaper than countries, for example, Spain and, and France that are uh, near Andorra and obviously also England. Just finally, on to the, the actual game. Obviously, you're, you're looking forward to it. And previously, where I've spoken with Ildefons Sola, um, he told us mm-hmm. about Andorra expectations. But what would be a, what would be a good result for Andorra in this game? Uh, a good uh, result uh, can be a draw. A draw, yeah. An excellent, an excellent result but can be a win. And a bad result is sure a loss. And not more like uh, like like every team. Uh, when you play, you want to win. And if you win, you are very happy. If you draw, it depends on. But obviously, we are not the favorite uh, team in that match. So uh, a, draw, a draw for us is good and obviously uh, with uh, with a with a team like England is not only good is is excellent yeah. if, if if we don't lose the result will be excellent for us be a big party will it yes and 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 our goal in that match is to be competitive all the time we can if we can arrive to minute 80 with 1-0 or with 0-0, zero, zero, or, or with a win, is that we want. We want to compete all the match if we can. And obviously we want to win, but uh, we, we we want to have the chance since the last minute with every team we play. And it's very, very difficult for a country like Andorra, believe me, because we have uh, amateur players and 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 when you see the other players, the players of the other teams, they are like planes, you know. They are strong physically, strong technically, strong in, in every area. Uh, a football player works, and uh, not for a player in Andorra. We are worst in, in, in every area we train, so it's very difficult for us to, to be competitive during 90 minutes and to be competitive during one hour in Wembley against England is wow. I think it's uh, wow. Yeah. Ivan, mm. thank you very much for your time and, and giving us that little insight. Pleasure. Into You're Andorra. welcome.
good luck good luck uh, and not you? with that match but uh, i hope uh, all the fans uh, of england and of andorra enjoy that match and enjoy football again and let's go to the stadium or if you can't uh, watch the tv put on the radio and feel football because <laughs> we we can live it again Now, Thomas Mortimer is a Hungarian football writer for HungarianFootball.com and we spoke last month ahead of the game in Budapest and I'm pleased to say he joins us again this time around. Hello, Tom. Hi, Russell. Yeah, so the, the Hungary game has come around again. It seems ages ago since we played, since that the game in Budapest, um, but yeah, it was only, it was only a month ago. Um, and, and I seem to, I've racked my brains, I seem to remember you saying you wondered if England would have had a uh, sort of a post-Euros hangover. Didn't seem to be like that, did it? No, I think the hangover was was from the Hungarians, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it was just, it was miserable that second half. The first half was a pretty drab game, both sides. But second half, England, yeah, just asserted their dominance and... Hungary completely fell apart and were just rubbish. <laughs> to be honest, they were just—they were just rubbish. I mean, I must admit, going into the game, I or going into that whole three games, um, I was—I was sort of very sceptical. Maybe there would have been a, a hangover. Obviously, I thought we'd get something out of the Andorra game, um, but Hungary and Poland, I thought we would struggle. And, and to be honest, four nil on foreign soil was not something I saw coming uh, whatsoever. Um, and I'm sure you've had your ear to the ground following that result. I mean, what what happened? Oh, yeah, I mean, 4-0 was probably quite flattering for, for Hungary as well, to be honest. Like, Gulacci made, in, in Hungarian goal, made a couple of howlers for a, a, yeah. two of the goals. But he also made some, a lot of saves in that game. Like Harry Kane missed some good chances and I think Raheem Sterling missed a couple. I mean, it could have been, it genuinely could have been about six or seven if, yeah, Gulacci hadn't missed, hadn't bailed Hungary out despite making two really poor errors. What went wrong, it's, it's kind of difficult to say. Like Hungary in the Euros played a very similar style. So that first half that we saw, the, the drab first half was was very similar to the, the the games that we saw against Germany, France and Portugal. Uh, Hungary didn't really show much attacking intent in any of them games, really, um, and kind of just was were hoping for a draw. But, and then as soon as England scored in in the game in the game that we're talking about, Hungary's plan just unraveled really, and and it was a little bit similar to when. Hungary eventually conceded against Portugal. They they held out for eight to two minutes, and then as soon as the first one went in, Hungary just collapsed. And it was quite similar in this, but obviously England scored a lot earlier. So with forty minutes to go, also Hungary were trying to attack with no verve or no pattern and no quality. And every single time England went forward, then there was a lot more room to to run into and a lot more space. Yeah. Uh, and they just England are just too good when you can't give them that kind of space like and that's the difference I think between this England side and the teams that we saw at the Euros even though they were very good Portugal Germany and France are very good teams England were just a lot more incisive than all of those three and and just 
time and time again just pick them apart. And I, I think it was a bit of in uh, Hungary being worse than they usually are, but also the fact that maybe Hungary just got a bit lucky in the Euros and and playing against someone like England, yeah, it really just showed them up and probably showed just how good, good England are, to be honest. I mean, because at the moment, the, the group, um, it's a bit of a, a three-way fight for second place. I mean, are, are the supporters, Hungarian people, are they are they still confident? Have they still got faith in in the team? Because they must be still be riding high on the on the emotions of of the Euros. I'm sure are they kind of, but kind of not. This this same thing happened four years ago when uh, five years ago when Hungary qualified for the Euros and did pretty well at the last Euros, got to oh, the yeah. last sixteen there. And the first game back after the Euros, Hungary ended up drawing to the Faroe Islands. Um, and it was really, it's very like the England game, not so much because obviously they didn't ex- weren't expected to to win or get a draw against England. It had been a a, a surprise if if they had. But then Hungary went and played Albania after England and were awful and deservedly lost. So it, it's almost like deja vu, really. Um, and Hungarian people in general are very uh, <laughs> this this is just a fact that they're very negative, right and I, not, I guess negative may be the wrong word. They're kind of um, not, ne- not never really confident in their own side and, and quite downbeat. And it's just because kind of what Hung- Hungarian society has been gone through for the last, yeah. well, since World War One, basically. So as soon as kind of these two results happen, the kind of the fanfare and all the delight of the summer has kind of dissipated pretty fast. <laughs> and it's come to the head like, yeah, people are calling for the manager's head already. Um, not everyone. Like, there's obviously a lot of people saying, oh, he's doing some great work, and he has, and got hungry to the Euros, put up a great fight at the Euros. But there is a lot of, um, especially after the Albania loss, and Hungary only just got past Andorra at home 2-1. Yeah, there's not a lot of confidence in this side anymore, all of a sudden. And you've actually got Albania... I think Albania is the first game for for Hungary yeah. in this double header. So, well, I mean, to, to go into the England game with any sort of confidence, you're going to have to uh, to be beating Albania and, and sort of trying to get well, look into that second place. Yeah, and, and I'm I, I've, I'm exactly the same as basically all the fans. To be honest, I am I've got no belief in this side <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I have none. I, I came on this podcast. Yeah, a month or so ago, with loads of belief, thinking that Hungary might get a draw or a win. I it, I would have been surprised if they had, but I, I didn't completely rule it out. But now, I, I think that score at Wembley could be anything. <laughs> I really do. I really. If if England play, if England played to their best, which I think they'll put that the best side and stuff, and Hungary play anything like they did in that game, whew, like it could have been for it could have been six or seven, and I think. England players will be very up for it after what after kind of the fan or, or, or the kind of not uh, well disgraces I guess we saw at the Pushkas Arena. I think that England players will be really really up for that game. Yeah, well we'll have to just touch on on those incidents. Obviously, there was the the the, the raining down of of cans or sort of plastic glasses and and scenes in the. In the stands that we saw, I mean, I think it's we have to sort of say that it, it's not that whole stadium of people doing it, but there was a, a select part of the uh, the crowd that were doing it, which uh, I found a bit surprising. I mean, perhaps I've had my uh, my head in the sand, um, but then 
there was also the the issues during the Euros where where Hungary have been fined by UEFA, haven't they? Yeah, there's kind of just a segment of that um, of that crowd who kind of are ruling to themselves. Really, they just basically just do what they want. Mm. Um, there, there is they're not like you say. It's not the whole stadium. It's not even the whole ultra group which is behind the behind the stand. It's kind of just small fragments of the of the main orchard group the main orchard group is is ruled by what they call the carpathian brigade but that whole ultra group is basically made up of different clubs so i guess like even the way supporters will be made up of west ham fans Millwall fans man united fans whatever yeah that's obviously the same case with um with with the hungarian fans uh, and some of these ultra groups that go to the games you you will see this kind of behaviour on a semi-regular basis at, at Hungarian club games. And just just at the weekend, um, in bizarre kind of irony, um, a player, uh, Ferenc Varos, um, the biggest club in Hungary, uh, Mohamed Besic, who used to play in the Premier League for, for Everton and Sheffield United, he was welcomed back to the club this weekend. And, uh, and it says in, in the crowd, welcome back Momo. And then underneath that, there was a flag which which said Aryan Ultras, oh. and like Aryan being obviously, as we kind of all know, like the the blonde hair, blue eye kind of um, ideal of Adolf Hitler. Um, and so that irony that a Muslim player was welcomed back by a segment of the um, the fan base with an Aryan flag just just draped dra- dra- below just kind of shows the. Um, the fragmentation of Hungarian fandom, really, that like there is a certain segment who are deeply white nationalist and 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 racist, whereas it's not the whole crowd. There is a certain and there's a big majority which are which are quite liberal, but um, unfortunately, that just spills over, and those minority voices make themselves heard. Do obviously UEFA and FIFA have put their own punishments into place, but does the does the Hungarian FA have, have they got any? Do they wield much power over the the, the national league? It's, it's tough because I mean it's not. It shouldn't be tough. No, but it is in the fact that they the 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 the, uh, the attendances in Hungary are really really poor. They average about three thousand at games, and for someone like Uyupest and Honved. Um, less so Ferenc Varos and Salagosek, loads of teams, the about 60% of their fan base at least uh, of the match-going attendance will be these ultras. So if you basically ban them carte blanche, you won't get any fans turning up to games. You'll get so few. Ferenc Varos actually did do this. Um, they've carte blanche banned all their ultras and obviously their attendance has suffered for ages. They kind they can get away with it because they do have a, a wider fan base and an average a lot higher than the, than the other attendances. But even then, they eventually succumbed. Um, and Ferenc Varos ultras are a lot less hostile than they used to be, um, despite obviously an Aryan flag being um, waved at a lot of away games. But... They, you don't really see much racial abuse at those games anymore. And it kind of has been stamped out a lot at that club. But elsewhere, it's really commonplace. And 
the uh, the league and the, the the FA have a problem because, like I say, they can't really ban everyone because then they won't get people turning up to games, which is is kind of the sad state of Hungarian domestic football at the moment, to be honest. Rock and a hard place springs to mind mm. there. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, well, hopefully that'll... Uh, <laughs> In, in time, it will sort itself out. But uh, yeah, just going back to the, the game at Wembley, it's Tuesday the 12th of October. I don't even know if, if Hungarian fans have, are allowed access, to be honest. Um, but uh, they, the squad, you've told me, has been announced. Uh, I haven't seen it, I have to be honest. Um, is there anyone in there that we, uh, we should be aware of or anyone new from, from the last game? No, it's very similar, to be honest. Um, the the point of the big one for Hungary is Loic Nago, who is Hungary's best right-back, is is back in the team. Callum Styles, who sounds very English, and yeah. is, is very English. Um, he's not in the squad, but um, he was asked by Marco Rossi if he wants to play for Hungary. He plays for Barnsley in the Championship, and he's recently declared that he might be interested in playing for Hungary. And he's not... Uh, said yes yet but um, it's, it's hopeful that he'll be in the next squad uh, which will be quite cool but yeah no real big surprises Soboslai is, is in there again but I built I think I built <laughs> Soboslai up on this um, podcast as well when he was absolutely shocking in, in the game against England and, and took two horrendous free kicks and all of my mates were saying you've been talking about this Soboslai for so long and look what he did so I got a lot of flat for that as well. Um, but yeah, no, no t- not too many surprises, to be honest. Yeah, like I said, I think the game will probably go very similar to, to how it did last time. Are you yourself going? Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. You are. Go on. Yeah, um, yeah my mum, um, my who is Hungarian as well, is, is, is going. Though I think after what happened <laughs> um, in Budapest, she was less keen. Right. Oh, well, I'm, I'm pretty... Pretty sure nothing like that will happen this time. Obviously, you write for for HungarianFootball.com. Um, are you have you been out back to to Hungary of, of lately? Obviously, with the uh, the restrictions um, to going to any games out there. Unfortunately, not. No, um, it's it's very very tough to get in. Actually, you um, you kind of need to be going there for a biggest business or work reason. And when I wanted to go for the England game, and they wouldn't let me in. Um, so yeah, I have to. I'm just having to wait until um, a better time, to be honest. But um, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, well, hope hopefully that time will time will come soon, and you can get out there and and uh, and lap it all up again. Uh, where, where, yeah, where obviously we said Hungarian football. Uh, you're right for what? Where on Twitter can we find you? Yeah, it's uh, Thomas Mortimer without the H and with a Z. Cool. I will. Uh, I will link to that um, when we uh, when we put this out on social media. Thomas, thank you very much for your time, as always. And yeah, maybe we'll speak again. Perfect. Sounds good. Now, Tuesday, the twenty eighth of September, saw the passing of another of the 1966 World Cup winning squad, Roger Hunt. Uh, He was born on the 20th of July 1938 and would go on to play 34 times for England, scoring 18 times. 
He was the 803rd player to wear the three lions, making his debut against Austria at Wembley in a 3-1 win, April 1962. And like Dixie Dean, Stanley Matthews, Tom Finney, Stan Mortensen, Nat Lofthouse, Bobby Charlton and Jimmy Greaves, all before him, he too scored on his debut. And in amongst all those 18 goals were three important ones, scored during the 1966 World Cup. There was one against Mexico and two against France, both in the group stage. France held out till five minutes from half-time. Nobby Styles, total engagement. Jimmy Greaves, Jackie Charlton, and a goal by Roger Hunt. In the second half, the second goal. Across by Callahan, a header by Hunt. And he would go on to make the last of his 34 appearances in a 1969 friendly at home to Romania. On the club front, whilst he wasn't a one-club man, he spent the majority of his career at Liverpool. Between 1958 and 1969, he played for the Reds, scoring 244 goals in 404 games. He was adored by the cop, who crowned him Sir Roger, although he was never formally knighted. Uh, He did win the league twice and also the FA Cup. And after that, he went on to appear for Bolton Wanderers. Roger Hunt was 83 years old, And we send our condolences to his family and friends. Thank you very much for listening. As always, very much appreciated. Thank you too to Ivan More, the Andorran press manager, and also to Thomas Mortimer from HungarianFootball.com. Don't forget the show is on all the usual social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can also find it on YouTube, uh, which has the option for subtitles, should you know anyone who may find that helpful? The option's there. Now, if you are heading to Andorra, either with or without a ticket, enjoy it. Stay safe. I'm not going to deny I'm envious of you. Uh, the photos that I'll no doubt see online will frustrate me. But please do make sure you get behind the team, just as I will do from my front room. And then, of course, there is Hungary at Wembley a few days following that. Uh, just on another note, you may remember last year, uh, or was it the year before? I can't remember now. Uh, I'd done a series of England at the Euros, speaking with England fans who had followed England at European Championships over the years. You may be pleased to know I've now started chatting with a few who have followed England at the World Cup. That's right, we're going to do a series, England at the World Cup, hopefully for next year. If they all come off as planned, I really hope you're going to enjoy them. Uh, anyway. That is something for next year. Uh, But next time around, we will, of course, be looking back on this latest international window. We'll be looking back on the games against Andorra and Hungary. I hope you can join me for those. So until then, cheers. Cheers.